if you're able to do a deal because you're able to get the money faster, then it's worth it. It's a new way of financing, and it's pretty cool to see this happening. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Brenda Chen. Brenda is a hard money originator at Conventus. In this episode, she'll let us know how the hard money process works and how to obtain a loan in the first place. If you're interested in getting a hard money loan with Conventus, be sure to stay until the end to see how you can save $1,000 off of your next origination fee. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and what do you do. Hey, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Brenda Chen, and currently I work at Conventus Lending. So we're a hard money lender, and I also run two meetups. So one is the SFA Real Estate Club. We have monthly investing workshops and happy hours and socials, and then a women's group called SF Girl Bosses. So that group is for personal and professional development. So we have retreats and also speaker events and dinners. Awesome. I've been working with your company for a long time now, and most of my hard money loans are originated from your company. So first of all, thank you so much for making my dreams a possibility by giving us these loans. Of course, you're super great to work with. And yeah, it's cool to see what projects you've been working on. So what is the difference between a hard money loan and a conventional loan? So the term hard money comes from the hard asset it means that the loan is backed by something physical like the property. And so so the underwriting is different from conventional loans. And we mostly view the asset itself as what, what the value is. Of course, we look at personal income and, and bank statements and stuff like that. But it's we look at both. So we're really covering ourselves with the value of the property itself. And so that's how we're able to close a lot faster. So right now we close in five to 10 business days for smaller loans and then 10 to 14 for larger loans. And conventional loans, from what I understand, can sometimes take like 30 days. So it's just easier to qualify for since we don't ask for tax returns. But, but bank loans, I, I understand that they take much more time to, to see if you have the ability to repay. And, and we do also have those requirements. It's just not as lengthy as banks. Yeah, because a lot of banks, what they do is they have all these requirements, not necessarily because of their own underwriting requirements, but because they sell that loan off to like a government. So like Freddie Mac or Freddie Fannie Mae. So they have to like go to these like strict guidelines. And whereas hard money, you guys are the originator, so you can do whatever you want, right? We just have more flexibility. So we're really creative with the financing. So it's more like a personalized lending service, whereas banks, you have to fit a certain box because that's how, well, that's how they're able to sell the loan, as you said. But yeah, so that's why it, because it's private lending, we we're able to structure loans in a way that works for both the client and the lender. And so that's that's what I've enjoyed the most in addition to meeting like awesome people like you. It's like 
structuring loans in a way that makes sense for both the client and the lender, because as a lender, you're learning a lot about risk. So what makes something risky or what makes something like a good business plan that's going to be follow through. So I think, yeah, like we, we see lending from the, the operator's perspective because we know how hard it is for you guys. Like you have to pay all these fees and like soft costs and, and, you know, you want, you want to finish your projects as soon as possible. And you have, you know, to juggle a lot of different things like dealing with contractors and all that. So we know that it's difficult for you guys. And so we want the financing to be really easy for you. And we do that by structuring in things that banks might not do, like interest reserves, like covering your rehab, like tenant buyouts. And of course, like everything might change in the future, but we're always adapting and trying to make it more of a service than something you need to like jump through hoops uh, to get. Yeah, like I said, I worked with other hard money lenders before, but your guys' team is just like so quick, so efficient. So I always go back to you guys because like, why, why not, you know? Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah. So I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it goes down to like our core values, like our, our founder, CEO, Keith Tamela, he's, he's super aligned with the customer because without customers, like we're nothing. So like we, we're always trying to do our best to like bring the best rates and, and make things a lot more easy. And I think right now we're also trying to incorporate the tech part of it. So because banks are so big, like it really takes a long time for them to change with like big companies and they, it's just more bureaucracy. So with a startup like Conventus, like we're able to really use technology to make the process faster and easier. So because we have that intention of delighting the customer, we're, we're also like using the technology and the resources, the resources we have to to make the process easier for you so that you can work on more projects so that you can succeed because our goals are aligned and that we want you to do as many projects that are, that have the high, you know, the returns that you want so that you can keep coming back. Right. So we want you to keep succeeding so that you can become a repeat client. So it's a more, more like a partnership. Absolutely. What kind of tech are you guys talking about? What kind of metrics do you use to qualify people or deals? How do you determine if this is a loan you guys want to originate or not? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's the operator side of it, and then there's the property side of it. So for the property, we want to make sure that you're, if it's a purchase, you're buying it at a good price. And it's a bonus if you're able to get it below market value. And what I've seen is that a lot of these investors are getting these properties below market value, and that's how they're able to make their returns. So yeah, to see if the property value is there, to see if there's a value add component, so if there's upside. So if you buy a property that's already done, then there's not as much upside. But if you buy a property that's below market and not fixed up a fixer and in a really nice neighborhood, like you could potentially fix it up and then value add to the point where you can sell it for much more of a profit. So there's more margin there. And so things like that. And oh, yeah. And then the operator side of it, we like to see high credit score, reserves and experience. So experience, we count anything where you've been on title and preferably in the last two years. So yeah, the reason is that 
we we see you being on title as you committing yourself to that project because you're responsible for that project. Whereas if you're not on title, if something goes wrong, you're not necessarily responsible. Like you might still have skin in the game, but being on title just is more of a commitment in our eyes. So yeah, track record is really important. What I've also seen is that people that are able to put like a portfolio of what they've done, like organizing that, like putting together like a package for lenders to look at, like these are the properties that I've done. These are the areas, like these are the demographics showing like enough research that you've done really helps. So I would say some of the really successful people that I've seen that they've really put together an update for the lenders. Like this is what has been done since you guys lent to me. And I think that like being proactive in that way, like really shows a lot about how organized they are and how on top of it they are. I think the more research you can show your lender to make them feel comfortable, the better because every every scenario is so nuanced even though it might seem like the same project on paper, like you're the ones on the ground doing it. So like showing them like why this project makes sense to you and why you see the upside or the returns that you're going to get, like the research you've done to get to that point is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you ask a friend for a loan and you show up and say, oh, I have no experience and I've done this before versus, oh yeah, I've done this plenty of times. Here's a huge package of all the things I've done in the past. Who would you give the loan to, right? You give the loan to someone who's like way more prepared. Yeah, in a way, it's kind of like marketing yourself. So presenting a package, like this is what I think of it. These are the potential risks. Like it's really important to talk about that too, to be transparent. Like this is what happens if things go wrong and here are my exit strategies. So that because lenders are pessimistic and the investors are optimistic. So trying to meet in the middle there. So we just want to be protected if anything goes wrong. We want you to be protected if anything goes wrong. And then you're you're there to present like why you want to go through that in order to achieve your goals because you're taking these risks because of of the goals that you have. So making sure that you're covered if things go wrong and what would happen if things go right. You want to show that you've taken into consideration if things don't go the way you thought they would. Now let's go into... You know, no one likes to hear this, but there are some times when you lose money, right? The deals don't go the way you expect it to. And track record is very important, especially for a lender. What do you do if you have a a kind of muddy track record where like some of your deals have not gone as well as you thought they would? Is this still something you present to the lender? Yeah, I think that anything that you've done is great because you're learning, right? So even if things go wrong, you can say like, this is what I've learned. And then in the future, I'm going to do this. And that's such a valuable lesson that you have because it's really important for people to know what it's like when market the market is not doing as you expected, right? So if an investor has only invested and made money, then they might not know what happens if things go wrong. But you can you can say like I have been there when things have go, gone amazing, and I've been there when things haven't gone as I planned, and this is how I tackled both both scenarios. And so I think that makes you a more well-rounded investor because there are going to be cycles and it's not always going to go up. So to show that you've been through the tough times, like really makes you a more experienced investor in our eyes. 
And the whole time we were being responsible and paying out the people we need to pay out, you mean, including our lenders, right? We're not saying F it, yeah. we'll close and just like, we're going to cut the property. We're being responsible. Yeah. 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 And it says a lot about who you are when you're still able to make meet those obligations in the tough times, because you don't really know what someone, how someone is going to act until they are under pressure. And so when you lose money, you're under a lot of pressure, but if you're able to make it through and still make your payments and all that, like it just shows like how responsible you are. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's good to talk about those things and be transparent. Yeah. Just tell them everything. Now, when it comes to like the individual, are there minimums? Like you will not lend to somebody if X, Y, Z. So for us, it's, it's more, so for us, we try to customize everything. Like we do our best to make it work. So For example, if someone's credit score is not there, there might be other factors that we look at to make it a loan that would work. So understanding their story on why the credit score is low and then seeing if there's a worker way, seeing if there's, so seeing seeing if it can still work based on their plan. So if they have a really good plan, they have a good team on executing it, the loan to value is low enough, then we might be able to, to still make it work, but it's case by case and it's a holistic picture. And that's why I think for us, it's so cool to see all the things that go into a loan because on paper, they might seem the same, but unless you're the person asking the client, like what their story is and how they plan to execute, even though two loans might look the same on paper, unless you talk to them and understand their story, like you're not going to know what loan is going to be best for them. So yeah, like we've done we've done uh, loans for people where they paid us off when it might not seem like a good loan on paper, but because they showed us like this is how I'm going to execute. These are the people that are going to help me, and the, you know this is the property value, and th- this is the value I'm going to get. It made us feel more comfortable, so that we are able to take the loan even though on paper, the credit score might not be there. So there's always a reason for things that might be red flags. But as long as there's an explanation for that, like we can still make things work. You also talked about reserves. How much reserves do you expect somebody to have before they get a project with you guys? Yeah, so we want to see enough reserves to finish the project. So if they're not getting rehab financing, we want to see enough for rehab and then interest reserves, so six to 12 months of interest reserves. And of course, the more reserves, the better. And we just want to see that they're making the down payment and doing the rehab and making interest payments that they have that in liquid reserves. So yeah, the more the, more the better. And if they don't have it, we would just ask how they plan to make those payments and how they plan to finish the project. So what does a typical loan look like that you have originated? So we've originated like a billion dollars in loans since we started. Wow. Um, and Yeah, it's a lot. And so I, I joined like two years ago and we've really been increasing our donations since I started. And so now we're at around like 50 to 80 million per month, which is, which is really great. And so average loan amount is probably... 500 to 750,000, but we've done loans from 100,000 up to like eight and a half million. Usually we do a lot of fix and flips and rental financing. So purchases of single family, multifamily properties, and then 
we've done some ground up construction in some land, but that that's not our bread and butter. It's more single family, multifamily real estate right now. But eventually we want to go into the commercial space. And then we've already been doing some mixed use, but uh, broadening our products to make it easier for our clients because not everyone invests only in single family, multifamily real estate. So we're trying to expand what we can offer and then potentially also offer longer term loans. And yeah, I think it's really interesting to see that the players in this space making financing quicker for investors. So I think, yeah, it's, it's an alternative way of financing that's, that's becoming cheaper. So usually, from what I understand, like before we started and before the other players in the space, you would get a hard money loan from like a, like a local investor who is trying to get a return on their money. And it could be like 10% or something, but trying to like make it more of a standard process so that it's more transparent what you're getting and like what the timeline is like. It's making it more of a business instead of just one person lending out their money and then they might run out of money. So it's becoming just a faster way to get financing for projects. Because I, I know that for investors, sometimes time is much more important than money. So if you're able to do a deal because you're able to get the money faster, then it's worth it. It's a new way of financing. And yeah, it's pretty cool to see this happening where the money is not just in these big banks, but in these private lending companies where it's easier. I see like a trend of that happening too, like financing becoming easier to get and then also it being more personalized for what you're trying to do. Yeah, any way that you can change the space, especially in real estate, I think the bigger your company is going to be. Like I just read an article about a company that's helping, you know, high income earners in the Bay Area buy properties with zero down. So like they buy the properties for like cash offer, seven day close, no contingencies. And then the new homeowner moves in and then like, quote, rents to own. You know, he, they're just changing the space. And now because of that, they're able to do so much more and they're getting so much funding from it. And I'm like, dude, that's cool. <laughs> it's a new idea. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Just just because real estate, it it was more of a slower process. Like now I think people are making it faster to transact. And yeah, it's really cool to see that happening. So what kind of leverage are people usually getting for hard money loans? So right now we're seeing around like 80% of purchase price for a single family and around 70 to 75% for multifamily. So multifamily like four plus units, but that, that also always changes. But I would say like, yeah, like people are able to get exceptions if they have a lot of experience or a lot of reserves and income. And so it's, it's also a customized loan for them so but generally around 80 percent for single family and 70 to 75 for multifamily has there ever been a time where you have guys denied a loan and like what was the story behind that you can be vague about it i don't need the details just like oh because xyz happened oh, okay well there have been deals that didn't work out because we didn't see what the investors were seeing in terms of the value or the after repair value they're trying to get so Again, we like tr- really try to protect our clients too because we don't want them to go into a deal, invest all their money, and then realize that they can't get the 
their value they're looking for in terms of the sales price. So there have been deals where we didn't see the after repair value based on the comps in the area. And so we've we've had to and I think they they would just go to another lender in those cases because there are other lenders that would do it, but at a higher price. You know, some lenders, they don't care as much about the after repair value if the current value is there. So every lender is different. So there might be other lenders that could still do it, but at a higher price. So can you tell me more about your company, Conventus? Like what makes Conventus different from the other hard money originators? Yeah, so we're a bridge lending company. And so we do business purpose loans for real estate investors. And we're in around 20 states right now. And what makes us different is that we're able to structure financing for the needs of the borrower. So depending on the project, we can do really creative things to make it work for you guys. So one of our core values delight the customer. So we do everything we can to, to make it work. So for example, we closed a loan recently in three days. And that's because it's a repeat client. And we have all their information on file. So we're able to do things like that. And our pricing is also really competitive because our team is always looking for ways to to lower it for you guys. So that's through partnerships with other people. And yeah, so our finance team is always working on, on lowering the rates for us and in turn for you. And so I would say that we have really competitive rates and we try to make the lending experience a positive one. So imagine I find a deal off market. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I have money for maybe 20% down in repairs. What do I do? Yeah, so you would just talk to someone, someone like me, and tell me what you're trying to do. So I would ask you questions like, what's the loan to value that you're looking for? Do you need rehab financing? What kind of construction you're doing? What's the rehab budget? What's your after repair value? Do you have comps to support the as is and the after repair value? And I would ask you things about your your experience, your credit score, reserves, and if you have any partners. and And it's also really helpful to to see your past projects. And then from there, it's um, after understanding the story, we would just come up with a price that would work for you and. So structuring the price, like the no rate and the points. And then if you agree to that, then we'll start the process with the application. And then from there, we'll collect documents. And then we close in five to 10 business days. So what kind of documentation do you guys need from the client? Yeah, so like your ID and we'll need a loan application. It's pretty short, like a like seven pages or something. And then a scope of work. So broken down by line items of what you're doing to the property. And then we'll, we'll collect documents from escrow and title. And and some sometimes we ask for bank statements. So yeah, it's a pretty straightforward process. Okay. And then at some point, I know sometimes you guys ask for like a, B, a BPO, which is a broker's price opinion or an appraisal. How do you determine whether to do one or not, or to do a BPO versus appraisal? Yeah, so it depends on the loan to value and also the loan amount. So for higher loan amounts, we would do a full appraisal. And for lower loan amounts that are also lower loan to value, we would do a broker price opinion. And so broker price opinions take like two business days to get back and they're cheaper, but they're also less lengthy than a full appraisal. So full appraisal might take 10 business days to get back. 
and they're they're more expensive. So throughout the whole process, what is like the the longest piece of the approval process to like actually close on this loan? Yeah, so it really depends for every loan. Sometimes it takes a long time for for us to get a payoff from another lender, for example. So in the case of a refinance, if the other lender is not giving us the payoff, it might delay. And sometimes it's the title report. And sometimes it's the scope of work from the contractor. And sometimes we have delays in, in the BPO if they don't have everything, like if they don't have the purchase contractor, if they don't have the scope of work, it might delay things. So sometimes it does take time to schedule the inspections because I know for some properties, you have to give notice to the tenants a certain amount of time ahead of, ahead of the inspection taking place. So so that might delay things. So getting the inspections back usually is is the what, the main thing that, that holds things up because if it's a big inspection, like an appraisal or a phase one, then it might take 10 business days. Now, I know Conventus and other hard money lenders have different rules about this, but in this space, we do a lot of creative financing. Sometimes the investors themselves don't have the capital on hand and they want to get capital from someone else, like get a second, or they want to do something like seller financing where they have the seller you know, finance some part of the loan. Do you know how that would work with Conventus? Is it even possible? What do we do for that? Yeah, so it's possible. We do see why you guys would want something like that. And if it's an investor that's investing with you, we would just want to know what their stake is in the property. And then they would have to sign an intercreditor agreement. And then we just need to know who they are and run a background check on them. And then seller financing, we're okay with also. We do want to see that there's some skin in the game. So skin in, skin in the game and that you're investing your own capital. Because for us, that reduces the risk because it's less likely for someone to walk away when it's their own money that's invested. So the more skin the game, the better. And the pricing of the loan would reflect that lower risk. Like if you're putting more of your own capital into the property, then it's less risky for us. And, and we were we would reward you with lower pricing for the loan. Now, let's say that you don't put your capital in for the purchase. Like let's say I'm getting fi- seller financing on a property. They're willing to seller finance it and give me five hundred thousand. I get a hard money loan for another five hundred thousand. ARV is high. It's like you know one point five million dollars. So there's spread there. But I'm like I want to keep my funds for the rehab budget. Would you would that fly or would you guys say no? That's not okay because you have no skin in the game. It's like a hundred percent LTV. So for us, we would rather you put your own money into the down payment and then get your investors to invest with your rehab. And so. That would work for you too, because then you don't have to come up with rehab anymore. And then you can still show us that you're putting in skin in the game. Do you guys ever do seconds? Yeah, so we do seconds and the combined loan to value, the CLTB would just have to be lower. So probably in the fix, uh, in the 50s or 60s. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just, so it's just much lower loan to value and the pricing would be higher also. I see. So combined, so first and second needs to be under 50% of the ARV or current value? Of the current value. Then it's like kind of not worth it, right? Yeah. Well, it it depends. If you have a property with a lot lot of equity, then you can pull cash out. So we have done those before, but it's it's not, yeah, it's, it's a very low percentage of what we do. I see. So most of your originations are first. 
Yeah, and we've done seconds um, also when you're cross-collateralizing. So, for example, if you have a property and you want super high LTV, like 90% LTV, you can cross-collateralize with another property. And as long as, so we can do a, a first loan on another property or we can take the second position. And that's only if the first loan is a bank loan. So that that's how some people have been able to get the loan to values they're looking for is if they're pledging additional collateral. And sometimes that can be in the form of a second lien. Got it. So tell me about your meetups. How did you decide to do it? And how did you manage to grow to such a successful meetup group in the San Francisco area? Yeah, so I have two meetup groups right now. So one is SF Girl Bosses. So that's a women's group, women's social group. And one is the SF Bay Real Estate Club. And so I got the inspiration to start these meetups because I was traveling alone in Paris and I was just looking for things to do and I didn't really know anybody, but I wanted to get more of a local feel of the city. So I just looked up a ton of meetups and then went to one that was only for women and I just felt like I belonged somewhere and in a completely new place where I didn't know anybody. And I wanted to bring that feeling back to San Francisco because I think what one of the best parts about traveling is meeting new people and meeting people that make you feel included and doing new experiences together. So I didn't want to only experience that when I'm traveling. So even though right now I'm mostly based in San Francisco, I feel like I'm meeting people all over all the time and people who are interested in the same things like real estate, And so that's really added to my experience here and to also provide the same for other people because we're all looking for connection. We're all looking for friendships and to make that a consistent thing that people can keep coming to while learning about real estate or in the women's group, we learn about personal development. So yeah, it's just a a place for people to come and learn from each other because it can be really tough when you're doing real estate, but if you have people that you meet that are doing the things that you want to do, like it makes it seem more achievable because even though you can read all these books, it's really different from meeting someone in person who's done what you want to do and to be able to ask them any question that you have. That's right. Like right now you're super well networked because you're basically in charge of their deal, right? You have the control whether they can do a deal or not. And also you host this amazing networking event. So after seeing hundreds of deals through your desk and after hosting you know, tons of different meetup groups and knowing different speakers, meeting different people, what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? I've le- Yeah, I've learned so much and I'm so grateful for that because you guys have really, really inspired me. Like the, Because I think to be in real estate, you're thinking very different from the general American population. You're going for something that's not typical and that takes a lot of courage. So so I think that that's been really inspiring. So I think for me, what I've learned most is how creative you have to be to make a deal work. So doing whatever it takes. So there have been people that send out thousands of direct mail letters or they door knock or just whatever, or, or network with thousands of agents. So whatever you need to do to find the deal you're looking for and to do it in the way that suits your personality. So some people might love door knocking, but other people might love networking with agents. So really 
doing a deal in the way that suits you the most and makes it most enjoyable for you so that there's more consistency. And then being well capitalized, I think it's has been a common theme of people that have less stress because when you have more capital, you don't feel like you need to fight for every penny. And I think I think that that can be a little stressful when every dollar really counts. So being more conservative and saying no to deals that might not make it. So having like a strict criteria of the margin that you're looking for. Oh, yeah. And then also, I I see a general theme of people giving back. So a lot of the the investors that have have been able to achieve so much like they they really make it a mission for them to teach the same thing to other people and to get more people to invest in real estate because it's a lifestyle choice for them and they see so much value in the freedom that they have that they just want to share and so so yeah like the general theme of people giving back and not just the super experienced people but people who are still new, like they're still helping each other out. So there's a sense of community that's really, really unique that I've seen. Yeah, that I've seen in in this space. People just wanting to help each other and don't see each other as competition. Yeah, this is the only place where I see that people are super generous with their time and information. No matter how new you are, they always like, for the most part, they actually sit down with you and have lunch with you and will tell you anything you want to know. And it's up to you to take action and do something. So that being yeah. said, what's your path look like? You know, are you trying to do something in the near future? And after seeing all these people do stuff, do you have a particular strategy that you want to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So I do want to invest in real estate and I want to do it in a way that's very enjoyable for myself. And so what I've learned about myself is that I love getting to know people. I love making friends. So I think part of that, that would definitely be a part of my strategy. I'm not sure what exactly yet, but just putting myself in more of a position to invest in the sense that I feel more comfortable with it when I do. So being more well capitalized. So going back to hard money loans, do you have any tips for new investors who want to get a hard money loan or some common mistakes that they do that if you tell them right now, they could probably prevent that? Yeah, actually, yes. So not outsourcing your due diligence. So some people, they might trust their agent and they should because like they're really awesome real estate professionals out there, but also trusting them, but doing your due diligence. So trusting, but verifying yourself. So doing the work to see the comps, to see the rental comps, to do your financial modeling, to come up with your own expenses. And and I think not just taking something that other people have done and just taking it for granted, but seeing what formulas they're using, like really dig into each item because I know for some multifamily deals, even a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars would, would be a huge difference in the value, right? So really, really being careful about what is going into the costs and what is going into the eventual value that they've come up with. So yeah, doing your own diligence and it could take a long time, but it's worth it to protect yourself. So yeah, do not outsourcing your due diligence and to really plan for what you would do if something goes wrong so that you can have a win-win scenario. So even if things don't go right, you should still aim to win is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, so they can 
they can email me at brenda at cvlending.com. And my personal email is brenda.t.chen at gmail.com. And yeah, you can shoot me an email. And if you want to come to one of our meetups, it's the SF Bay Real Estate Club. So it's meetup.com slash SF Bay RE. So for you guys that are listening, if you mention Sean Pan's name, we'll give you $1,000 off of your next processing fee uh, if you do a loan with us. Cool. Well, thank you so much for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for being on the show today. And thanks for teaching us everything that we need to know about hard money loans. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. Hard money lenders look at loans differently than how a traditional bank would look at the loan. Hard money lenders are more interested in the deal itself. Be proactive. Create a portfolio of your past projects to present to the lender to make them feel comfortable about giving you the loan. And when you get a loan, they want to see that you have enough reserves to finish the project and have 6 to 12 months of interest payments in liquid funds. So make sure you're well capitalized before starting the loan process. And remember, do your own due diligence. Don't outsource that part out. If you want to get a loan with Conventus, mention that you heard about them through this podcast to get $1,000 off of your processing fee. I hope you all learned a lot. You can find the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.